Hello. We are so excited that you've decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube under Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street in Burgall, North Carolina. The zip code is 28425. If you'd like to give a donation, you can simply go to our website at mtdm.org and click on that donation button. God bless you. And Father, as I go forth, God, to teach your people, I thank you, God, that you have already, as I open my mouth, you have already filled it. I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of you on this morning. I thank you that the eyes of my understanding, our understanding is being enlightened as we get into the word of God, the word of life. I thank you for quickening us according to your word. I thank you for opening our eyes that we may see the wonderful things out of your law on today. And I thank you, God, that we have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer us who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. And God, whatever demonic force... It's lingering in the atmosphere to keep us, God, from receiving what you have for us today. God, I break those powers of demonic forces, God, that's lingering, God, that's lurking, that's looking, God, in the name of Jesus. And I plead the blood of Jesus right now in Jesus' name. I come against a tired and weary spirit in this place in Jesus' name. And I lose your strength. I lose your life amongst your people in Jesus' name. I come against every spirit that will hinder, that will harass us on this morning in Jesus' name. And I thank you again for the blood of Jesus that covers in the name of Jesus and father I loose your healing in this atmosphere in Jesus name physically mentally emotionally financially and spiritually in Jesus name because you said by Jesus stripes we were already healed so I command what already belongs to us in the mighty name of Jesus so we thank you and we praise you and God I speak right now that spirit of anguish that spirit of anxiety I bind it right now in the name of Jesus and I command it to go. And I sever at the root fear right now in Jesus name. Fear go in Jesus name. You have no right here in the name of Jesus. You leave in Jesus name. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. But the power of love and of a sound mind. Now I say peace be still in Jesus name. God, we give you all glory, all honor, and all praise in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Through the help of the Holy Spirit, I have been teaching on knowing God. And we're going to talk about that a little bit before I go into something else God wants me to share on this morning. Um, The last time we were together, we talked about Psalms 46, when it was talking about God is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our present help in the time of trouble. So we know a refuge is what? A fortress. We know that not a fortress, but a shelter. It's a place of protection. So we got to know God for such a time as this, so that no matter what situation we get into, we know that God is there to protect. He's there to deliver. He's there to heal. He's there to be what we need for him to be. But we have to know that he is there. We have to recognize his presence at all times. When we do, that's when the scripture lets us know that we don't have to be afraid. 
though things begin to crumble, the mountains shake, the earth, whatever, begin to move, we will not be moved by those things. We may be shaken, but we're not going to move because we know who God is and we know what God has already done for us. Amen. So keep that before you. Stay in your word and get to know who God is. The more you get to know who God is, the more you can get through whatever is trying to come at you. But turn with me to Genesis 19. And I want to look at, starting at verse um, 12, Genesis 19, verse 12. And I want to read down to, okay, let's start at verse 12 and I'll just read until the Lord tell me, um, well, it goes all, re- all the way down to 26, but I'm going to break it up. Genesis 19, beginning at verse 12. And the word of God reads. And the men said unto Lot, Has thou here any besides, son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place? For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his son-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angel hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. Now, I want to go to this verse here, verse 26. Now, when he brought him out the city, it said, but his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. You may be seated. The Lord want me to share with you this morning. I tell you, God is so gracious and he's so good. He know what we need at all times. So this is why we have to be open unto him because sometimes we want to go where we want to go, but the Lord will take us to another place. And sometimes we get through to this place um, because we're, well, I'll put it this way. Sometimes we try to get to a place that God has not taken us. And God want us to get to the place he's taken us. And it takes time sometimes because we don't want to get to that place. But this is what the Lord shared with me. God said, I want you to talk to them about I am stuck. I am stuck. What does it mean to be stuck? Unable to move from one particular place or position. I am stuck. Unable to move from a particular place or a position. So this morning I said, okay, God, if that's what you want me to teach on, you're going to have to give it to me as I go. Because I'm still uh, stuck on knowing who God is, when you know who God is. So last night I was going to go back through knowing who God is. But for some reason, I was stuck. So I'm just sitting there and I'm going back over. Okay, God, come on, let's let's get it right with knowing who God is. God, I'm sleepy, I'm tired, I just want to lay down, so let's just go back to knowing who God is. But some reason, I couldn't move. 
For some reason, nothing would come. So I'm just sitting there and say, all right, God, you know my heart. I'm standing before you people. It's not about me. It's all about you. It's about what you want to give them. So all right, God, come on. Let's talk about knowing who you are. Nothing. So I sat there. And as I sat there and sat there and sat there, I heard a word say, the word of the Lord saying, I am stuck. I'm like, you're right. I am stuck. I say, I'm stuck. I don't know where you want me to go. So he said it again. He said, I am stuck. I say, I'm stuck. So what do you want, Lord? What do you want me to give your people? I heard it again. I am stuck. I say, stuck on what? Guess what come to me? Stuck on stupid. (laughs) You know what people say? Stuck on stupid. But God didn't tell me that. So I said, okay, God, so you speaking to me, you telling me what you want me to bring your people, but I don't know where to go in the word being stuck. So you're going to have to help me get this. So when God was giving me the definition, when he's saying that being stuck is when you um, can't move, you know, you in a particular situation and or position or place and you can't move. Come on. Somebody in this room is stuck and you've been stuck for a long time. And the reason why you've been stuck for a long time, just like me last night, I was trying to do it myself. When God has given me everything that I need to do what, with whatever he would have me to do. He has given me the Holy Spirit. But sometimes when you're tired, when you're weary, you know, things do not come the way they need to come because it's blockers that be in the way. So when you say, okay, Lord, I got these things in my way. So praise will help you get unstuck. Praise will bring you out of a place where you've been stuck and it'll help you to get unstuck. So... When I got ready to come on the pulpit, God gave me Lot. And I said, okay, God, what are you saying about Lot? What are you saying? So when we go look at Lot, we know how Lot's life was. We know that Lot and Abraham, they were together. But of course, God didn't tell Abraham to bring Lot with him. Sometimes we have family members that we want to help out. We, we feel like they need to be a part of what's going on in our lives, but that's not the way God always wanted. God wants us to be obedient unto him and do what he would have us to do. And sometimes with being disobedient unto him, we get stuck. We get stuck in a particular situation, a place, or a position because we're not listening to God. And we stay stuck for a while until we come out of ourselves. Until we realize, God, this is not about me. This is all about you. I'm tired of being stuck. Come on, how many is tired of being stuck? In that same place and in that same position, you're tired of, you know, going through the same thing. Um, It's going through it day by day. You're saying, God, when is this going to be over with when you let go? God said, we hold on to so many things because we really don't trust him. We say that we trust him, but we still stuck. See, when you trust him, you're not stuck. No matter what the situation is, you know, you already have come out of that situation and you're not trying to bring yourself out of a situation that God is saying, I'm going to leave you here until you get to the place of knowing that I'm God. You got to know that I'm God. It reminds me of the Israelites. Y'all know how they were so disobedient to God. Everything that God did, it was never enough. The reason why is because they were stuck. See, sometimes God is doing things right before you, but you don't see it because you're so stuck on you. You're so stuck on what you want, but that might not be what God wants you to have for that moment. 
So we have to be willing to open our hearts and say, God, I'm willing to let go of whatever is keeping me in the position, keeping me in this place that I'm in. God, I don't want to be in this place. God knows your heart. He knows your heart. Sometimes we say things out of our mouth that come, you know, out of our our mouth, but we don't mean it. We just say it because we want a quick fix. God say, no, you're not ready yet. You're not ready. So you still got to stay in that place until you know that I'm God. Thank you, God. Okay. See, you bring me right back to where I was. But he wanted me to get to this place of talking to you about being stuck. So then the Lord began to show me as he's showing me now, the Israelites, when they went into Babylon, because they wouldn't listen to God. Each time God told them to do something, they were doing the total opposite. Why? Because when they would come in these lands with these different people that were not like them, God said, when you come in here, you're supposed to be different. You don't supposed to be like them. They supposed to want what you have. But you coming in here and you doing what I'm telling you not to do, that's why you stuck. So when they began to pray to God, God would bring them out. But guess what? They get stuck again. Come on, there's a problem. See, what's happening is they'll say sometime what they want God to hear. But God knew they were going to be stuck again. But because God was a loving God, God showed mercy on them. So then they got to a place that they were going to be for 70 some years. They were going to be in that place for a long time. And they had lying prophets telling them that they were going to come out of this place. God said, don't believe them. He said, because I know the plan. And the purposes I have for your life. Plans for you to prosper. Plans for you to what? Have good and not evil. Plans for you to have a hope and a future. But you're not leaving out of this place. He said, I want you to have children in this place. I want you to have vineyards in this place. He said, you're not coming out of this place before time. Why? Because God gave them chance after chance after chance to get unstuck. But they wanted to stay where they wanted to stay. So finally, God say, you're going to have to serve time in this place. Some of us, we hear God. But when you hear him, you got to do what he's saying or you're going to be stuck right where you are. Some of us are stuck in relationships that God did not put us in. And we're stuck in that relationship. We're trying to find a way out of that relationship. But when God told you not to go into that relationship, no, you felt like I need somebody. I want somebody. I don't want to be by myself. But now, man, you got stuck with Jezebel and now you Ahab. So you are stuck. And it's not that God don't want to bring you out. He already bought you out, but we go back into places that God bought us out of and that puts us in a position and a place that we begin to be stuck in. And God said, I don't want my people to be stuck. That was not my plan for my people to be stuck in debt. To be stuck dealing with every sickness and every disease. To be stuck with depression and oppression. To be stuck with all of these things that my son have delivered you from. That my son laid down his life for you. He said, I don't want you to be stuck. I want you to come out of these places that you don't need to be in. But before you can come out of these places, you got to know me for real. And if you know me for real and you trust me, you don't have to be stuck no more. You can still live that Zoe life. 
Even though the Israelites were in a place they didn't need to be in, guess what? They were still prospering. They were still succeeding. They were still having what they needed even in that place. But God said, I don't want you in that place. I really want you to have this life that I intended for you to have. So when we look at Lot and we look at Abraham, we see how they were sort of different. Abraham's heart was for God. Lot's heart was to get whatever Lot wanted to get. So when Abraham saw what was going on between his herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen, look how Abraham stepped in. Lot didn't step in. Abraham said, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. See, Abraham wasn't stuck. Why wasn't he stuck? Because he knew God. He had fellowship with God. So he said, it don't matter where I go. He said, I know God and God is going to provide for me. So I'm going to give you the choice. I'm not going to fuss over this, that, or the other. I'm going to give you the choice. You make the choice. So he made the choice. He made that choice of Sodom and Gomorrah. So God began to show Abraham after Lot departed from Abraham everything that he had. So guess what? Abraham had to go rescue Lot. We know that part, right? When Lot was going through, Abraham had to rescue him. But I'm going to back up. So we look at Sodom and Gomorrah, and we know what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. We know there was homosexuality going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's a sin. And God was um, trying to give them an opportunity to come out of what they were in. And that's why Abraham was interceding for those people. He was interceding for them. If there be 10, if there be five, you know, he kept interceding for those people. So God knew Abraham's heart. So he was going to blow up Sodom and Gomorrah. And he told Lot, he said, get all those that are close to you, you know, your son-in-laws, your daughters, and bring them out of this place because I'm getting ready to literally destroy this place. So Abraham went to his son-in-laws. Let me correct this. The son-in-laws here, when you seen in the first part of this, when he was going to give his daughters to those um, men to have his daughters. But those daughters, they were betrothed to those son-in-laws. They weren't married yet. They were betrothed. Back then, they looked as if, you know, they were married. But look at how Abraham went to get the son-in-laws. You come out with me. You don't have to stay in this place. But guess what? They were stuck. This is where they wanted to be. They were stuck. Come on, some of y'all. God have sent people to some of y'all to bring you out of the place that you're in. But you want to stay in that place because you think that place is a better place than the place that God has provided for you through his son. You want to stay stuck in that place because you think you live in this lavish life. Your bank account look good. You know, your family look good. Your health look good. I'm living a good life. So why would I want to come with you into the kingdom of God when I can stay out here and do what I'm doing and loving life? You are stuck. And God want to bring you out of that place that you're in. So they didn't want to come out with them. So he took his wife, he took his two daughters, and he was coming out of that place. He came out of that place. But then he told them, do not look back. So he was sparing them. He had already saved them. Do not look back. Guess what the wife did? She looked back. Why? Because she was stuck in that place. See, even as Christians, we say that we're born again. We say that we have come out of a place. But then we're looking back to that place. 
And God don't want us to look back to that place. He want us to move forward. He don't want us to think on those things that used to be. He want our mind to be set on things above and not on things of this earth. Come on, y'all. He want us to think about all the goodness of God, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness. He wants you to think on those things. But the enemy wants you to be stuck. And where are we stuck? We're stuck in our minds. Our minds is the battleground. That's where the enemy want to keep us stuck. And we have to come out of those places. Then the Lord began to show me when we go back in in Exodus and we look at the people that were in bondage. And y'all, I'm going to show you how the enemy sets up things. The enemy has a way of doing things. And the thing that you need to know is even though your spirit, soul, and body... Even though your spirit is what got saved, that's the real you, that's the, the spirit is what got born again. We know we're dealing with our mind, our will, and our emotions, and the enemy knows this. So what the enemy does, when you go back in the word of God and you look at how Joseph stood in the gap for the people to save the people. And there was a king that, you know, favored Joseph. So the people were doing good with that king, that pharaoh. That Pharaoh died and then another Pharaoh came in on the scene. And this is what this Pharaoh said. I want y'all to pay attention to this and you have to know this for yourself. This Pharaoh said this. Verse 7, Exodus 1 verse 7. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty and the land was filled with them. Why did they multiply? Because that was part of what God said. Be fruitful and multiply. And he wanted them to replenish the earth. They were doing this. So the Pharaoh said, now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Now look at this. Even the devil know that we are more mightier than he is. This Pharaoh knew this. He said they are more and mightier than we are. Come on, let us deal wisely with them. Lest they multiply and it come to pass that when they falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And then it says that they built for Pharaoh treasured cities, Pentamum and Ra, I don't know what that word is. Anyway, he built two cities. They built two cities. This is what the Lord showed me through this, y'all. Remember what Pharaoh said. He said they're mightier than we are. They're more than what we are. And if we don't do something about them, this is what they're going to do. They're going to join with our enemies and they're going to come against us. So this is what he had to do. He had to begin to afflict them. Guess what the enemy does to us, y'all? The enemy know that he has no power over us except through deception. Except to deceive us. How does he do this? He does this in our minds. What he does, he takes and he turns around things that are true and he make them lies. So this is what Pharaoh did. He said, we're going to afflict them. Understand when you being afflicted, when you up under many burdens, you become weak. You become vulnerable. So what does the enemy afflict us with? He afflict us with finances. He afflict us with sickness and disease. He afflict us what? With grief. 
Anything that weakens us, he used that for his advantage. And he began to put thoughts and things in our head to keep us from moving forward, to keep us stuck right where he is. So the enemy had them, Pharaoh had them to build cities for him. He afflicted them and had them to build the cities. What was he doing? This is what God is saying. These cities that he had them to build was for him. How did he get them to do it? Through afflicting them, through putting heavy burdens on them. Where is the enemy afflicting us? In our mind. What is he setting up? Strongholds, cities, fortresses in our mind. So when he set these strongholds up in our mind, it is a wall. It is a fortress that's fortified, that's erected up in our minds due to our way of thinking. And that way, that city is so fortified, it's holding all of these thoughts that are not true, that even though we want to come out, we can't. This is the plan of the enemy. We're stuck. We're stuck in our minds with many, many thoughts that the enemy didn't bring them overnight. Y'all got to understand, when we were in the world... When we didn't um, know God, we knew about God, but we didn't know God. The enemy was looking at our weaknesses right in the womb. Even when our mother carried us, the mother had some weaknesses. The mother had some things going on in their thoughts. It may be rejection. Nobody want me. I'm not fulfilling my dreams. I'm not fulfilling my desires. Things that the mother is thinking is feeding that baby. Things that the mother is going through, the baby is going through it. Why? Because the baby is in the mother's womb. When that baby come out, the baby will come out feeling rejected. It's just like a baby that's in a womb of a mother and the mother's on drugs or the mother is um, on alcohol. When the baby come out, the baby's having withdrawals. Why? Because that's what the baby was fed. So the enemy uses those weaknesses as we grow up to hold us in a fortress. To put a stronghold in our mind to keep us in a certain place that even though we're born again, we're still going through some changes in our mind. And we're wondering, God, why am I stuck here? God, why am I having these thoughts that I don't even know where they're coming from? God, what's going on with me? I'm stuck and I cannot get out of this place. It is because the enemy has built up a stronghold in your mind due to the wound on up to where you are today. Some people think I'm saved, I'm free. Yes, you're free in your spirit. You're no longer in bondage in your spirit, but into your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions get renewed according to the word of God. You are stuck in a particular position and a place until you recognize who God is and what you have in him. And who you are in him. Come on y'all. Parents we don't recognize. We carry our children. And we go through things when we carry our children. And what we go through. They come out with what we're going through. So this is why we have to know. What's behind us being stuck. What is it behind us being stuck. What's going on. So we see what was happening. To these Israelites. But guess what. God is so faithful. God is not going to leave us in that state. He told Abraham they were going to be stuck in Egypt for 400 and some years. God said, but I'm going to bring them out. See, Abraham had a promise from God. He didn't even live 
to see him come out, but he knew what God said. So he knew they were already out, even though they were yet in bondage. He knew that God was going to bring them out. I'm here to tell you today, whatever area you stuck in, God has already brought you out of that area. You don't have to remain in that area because God has already brought you out. Your mind got to be fixated on what God has already done. The enemy don't want your mind on what God has done. He wants your mind on where you are. If you keep talking about where you are and what you don't have, you're going to stay stuck. You're going to stay depressed. You're going to stay oppressed. You're going to stay sick. And that's what the enemy wants. He said, come out. God has opened the door. He has given you the freedom to come out. It reminded me, if y'all know when you shut a dog up or you shut somebody up in a cage and they stay shut up in that cage so long that you can open the door and tell them to come out and they just sitting there because they think the door is still closed. God has opened a door. He has opened that door through Jesus Christ and we're staying in that cage because that's where we think we're supposed to be. That's not where God want us to be. So when we look back at the Israelites, they were here for 400 and some years, y'all being afflicted, being oppressed. How many years have you been stuck? How long have you been trying to get yourself unstuck without God? You cannot get yourself unstuck without God. You can't try to do things to make you happy when you're still stuck. The only thing that can bring you out of that is knowing who you are. Now that you're in Christ. Come on, we got to quit trying to figure things out to get us unstuck. God has already done this for us. So the Israelites... For 400 and some years, can you imagine? They're being afflicted. They're in bondage. And the enemy, when he had them at their weakest point, he said, now they're multiplying. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to kill all the firstborn sons. When they come out, I want you to kill them. He was telling the midwives to do this. But the midwives knew God to a point that they knew, I'm not going to kill no baby. So what they did, the, the, he, when he said, why didn't you do what I asked you to do? They said, because these women, they're different from the others. They have these babies before we can even get there. See, they weren't stuck. They knew what God wanted for them. And they knew they were not going to disobey what God was saying. So guess what God did? He blessed those midwives right there in the midst of Egypt. So we can become unstuck if we choose to. See, they had a choice of doing what Pharaoh wanted them to do or obeying God. And they choose to obey God. What is your choice today? Are you going to still be stuck in your situation? Are you still thinking about what you don't have and what everybody else have and what everybody else is doing and how they're living and they're doing this and I ain't doing this. I should be doing this by now. You are stuck. Because you shouldn't worry about what everybody is doing. Turn Facebook off. Some people on Facebook are lying. They're saying they're in New Mexico. And they just got screens behind them that look like New Mexico. And you're thinking they're in New Mexico. And they can't even afford to get a car. And now they're in New Mexico. And you believe in those lies because it looks so good. Oh, 
you to look like, oh, my husband don't do that for me. Come on, you stuck. You believe in the law of the enemy. And this is why people are committing suicide by watching Facebook. Because they said, I don't have what they have. The enemy putting thoughts in your head. Stuck. You stuck in a particular situation, a place, a position. Because you basing your life on what somebody else have. Or basing your life on what you don't have. If you're born again, you got everything that you need. The problem is you don't know what you have, so you stuck. And see, we don't want to turn off social media because we feel like that make us. No, that breaks you. That puts you in a place of depression. That puts you in a place of despair. You thinking that's keeping you going. I guarantee it. When you open the book of life. And you spend more time in this book than you do on Facebook. And you allow the words of God to get on the inside of you. And then the life of God begin to come out of you. And you ain't thinking about what nobody else doing or where they're going. You're just giving God glory for the life that you have here on earth. You're not worrying about if you don't have this, if you don't have that. God, I have everything that I need in you. Because it's not about me. God, you know all about me. And I'm not going to compare myself to others. Comparing yourselves amongst yourself. It's not wise. The enemy know how to help you have a, he got to help you see, have a mental breakdown. He got to help you. Because he know they can't do it by themselves. They got to have a little bit of help from me. So let me help them be depressed. He'll send somebody to your house. And all they talk about is their accomplishments. What they did and how they did it and how many times they went in and out of state. How many times they done this and how many times they done that. And this is what they're getting ready to do. What is the enemy doing? Depressing you. Because you're looking at, I ain't been nowhere. I ain't done nothing. But you're right in the place God wants you to be. But we want to be so much like everybody else. We want to do what everybody else is doing because we feel like I'm just at a standstill. I'm stuck. My life ain't the life I want it to be. So the Israelites stayed here 400 and some years. But one day God heard the cries of his people. And God said, I'm coming down to get you out of the place that you're in. But God had to raise somebody up to do it because God is a spirit. So he raised Moses up. Y'all know what he had to do to Moses. He had to get him unstuck. See, understand that Moses, he was the deliverer, but Moses' mother had to put him on that now. She had to leave Moses. So I believe there was some abandonment there, even in Moses. And so Moses stayed with Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised as an Egyptian. But guess what? He knew who his people was. He knew about what God was about. So we see that God was raising Moses up. And Moses kept giving God excuse after excuse. Who do I tell the people? The people are not going to accept me. See, because he was stuck with some abandonment issues. So God had to get Moses 
from over his issue so Moses can move forward. And so when at the last thing he said, I'm not eloquent in speech. Some of y'all don't want to get before a crowd because you don't talk like everybody else talk. Well, you know, God said it ain't for you to talk like everybody else talk. That's phony as baloney. People think that you got to go to school to preach. Peter and John was unlearned men. But they knew they had been with Jesus because of the miracles that they were showing. You got people behind the pulpit that's going to cemetery school and ain't showing nothing. God ain't in that. When God is in something, you're going to see his glory. You're not going to see you no more. Because it's all about him. So here go Moses. And I'm getting to a place. God told Moses, this is what I want you to do. And it seemed like everything that God told Moses to do, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. But God told Moses, his heart is going to be hard. He's going to want to let you go. Come on, the enemy don't want to let you go. Because see, he knows if I can hold on to you and use you the way I want to use you, you won't get to the place that God wants you to be. I want to keep you stuck. I want to keep you behind this fortress. I want to keep you behind this wall. Because see, he already know that you are mightier than he is. He already know that once she is loose, once he is loose. So God is saying, do you want to be unstuck? Or do you want to stay where you are? Some of you have given up and say, well, I guess this is how it's going to be for me. I'll just stay here. But that's not where God wants you to be. So Moses kept going to Pharaoh. And y'all know the first time he went to Pharaoh, God even gave signs and wonders to show Pharaoh. But Pharaoh still didn't want the people to go. And when Moses went to him, he even afflicted the people even harder. How many of y'all know that when you're stuck in a certain position or a certain place and you're trying to come out and you're feeling good about coming out, he turned up the heat. He make it even harder to make you feel like you ain't going to make it. You're not going to live to see tomorrow. You're not going to even get that job that you've been looking to give. Your husband don't want you. Your wife don't want you. Come on. He want to keep you stuck. So when he have you at your weakest point, he keep planting seeds. He keep doing things to keep you in that position to keep your thinking opposite to what God is saying. So when Moses did this and he went to Pharaoh, Pharaoh made it harder for the people. So you know when Pharaoh make it harder for the people, the people are going to stay stuck in Egypt, right? So they were upset with Moses, but Moses kept going to God. He kept fellowshipping with God and God kept telling Moses what to do. I'm here to tell you, don't give up. Keep going to God. Keep fellowshipping with God. God already know how you feel. He already know what's going on in your life. He will not put no more on you than you can bear. So finally, y'all know what happened. They come out. They came out. They came out of Egypt. Oh, they were happy that they were out of Egypt. But God did not send them out even empty-handed. He sent them out with everything that they needed for their journey. So I'm trying to tell you, whatever place you're in, it may be a place of debt. God is not going to just leave you in debt. He's going to bring you out with more than enough to do what he wants you to do with what you have. So when they come out, the next thing that happened, this is what they saw. 
They were happy. How many of you are happy when you get a good report? You happy, you're singing, you're thanking God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're good. You are always on my side. God, you didn't leave me. You ain't like all state. You ain't like nationwide. God, you are always on my side. Now we can talk. Now we can rejoice. Now we can minister to somebody because we feel like we unstuck. We feel like we have come out of that place, right? So here they are. Then the next thing that happened, they look up and they see Pharaoh. They see Pharaoh coming at them. And when you look at Exodus 14, 10 and 12, when the Israelites saw the king and his army coming after them, they were very frightened and cried to the Lord for help. Come on, they said they were very frightened. This is Exodus 14, 10 through 12. They said to Moses, look at there. Here they are talking to the leader. What have you done to us? Now listen at this. Now remember, that's just like us. We're happy, we're praising God, and all of a sudden when something come in and happen, we got to blame somebody. Come on, if it ain't our husband, it's our wife, and if it ain't them, it's the children, it's the dog, it's the cat, it's an associate. We got to say, look what you done to me. He said, what? They said, what have you done to us? Why did you bring us out of Egypt to die in the desert, the wilderness? For one. I believe they walked out on their own because they had a choice. Either you can come with me or you can stay in bondage. So they come out, right? They said, "There, okay, bring us out of Egypt to die in the desert. There were plenty of graves for us in Egypt. Now you hear that? There were plenty of graves for us in Egypt. We told you in Egypt. Let us alone, we will stay and serve the Egyptians. Now we will die in the desert. Now check this out, y'all. They got out of Egypt. They come out of Egypt, right? But Egypt didn't come out of them. They still were thinking death. They were stuck. They were stuck on death instead of on life. See, just because we're born again... Just because we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior to miss hell. That's what some of us do that for. We still have some things in our mindsets that have to be dealt with. And if you don't deal with them, they're going to deal with you. They were 400 and some years in Egypt. Their mindset was not right. They walked out of Egypt. They were free, but they were still slaves in their mind to Egypt because the enemy has set up fortresses in the beginning. He had afflicted them to the point of even though they come out, you still going to know I'm your God. That's what the devil's doing to us today. He want to reign and rule in our minds. How does he do this? Through our way of thinking. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, so does he become. Whatever you think about the most is what you become. If you think you're sick all the time, you're going to be sick. If you think that you don't have nothing, you're not going to have anything. If you think you're always depressed, you're going to be depressed. One thing that I have learned, when you get an attack on your body, and you begin to, you know, babysit that attack, you know, that symptom or whatever it is. When that symptom leaves, you wonder where the baby went. Wait a minute. I don't feel that no more. What in the world? Where did that go? You've been with me so long now. Where you go? 
where you going? Where you at? All of a sudden, here come headache and migraine again. Because you're thinking about it. Because you have babysitted it so long. You have thought about it so long. It has become a part of you. It's like a leech sucking blood out of you. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, so does he become. The enemy does not want you to know these things because he wants you to stay stuck. He wants you to only think about death, not life. God is about life. He is not about death. The word is what quicken you. The word is what bring life to you. This is why he said, my son, pay attention to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto all that find them, and they are help to all your flesh. The word will take care of any given situation that's going on in your life if you pay attention to it. If you incline, if you listen, like in here right now, you don't supposed to be going to sleep. You're supposed to be talking to them eyelids and say, I ain't giving no slumber to you today. I want you to wake up. I want you to pay attention. I want you to hear. I want you to incline your ears and listen to what God is saying to you. If you want to be unstuck, wake up. The enemy don't want you to wake up. He wants you to be in that same place. He wants you to be vulnerable to the weakness or those weaknesses that's in your life. Because he don't want you to come out. That's why it's called a stronghold. You're held in bondage due to your way of thinking. And it can be so strong and so tight that your heart becomes so hard. And even though the word is coming, you got a butt in there, but you don't understand. That's a stronghold. God has given you the word. He's, he's saying you don't have to be in this position. Listen, listen to the word. Hearken unto my voice. Incline your ear unto what I'm saying. Come on, I don't want you in this place no more. This is not my plan for you. This is not what I have for your life. And y'all, it takes time. The same time it takes for us to think about negative stuff. It's going to take time for this word. The word is what go in and root up whatever is in your life that's keeping you stuck. And when you don't know what it is, you have to ask the Holy Spirit, show me what's keeping me stuck. See, if the enemy can get fear, it brings everything else. There's fear of lack, fear of being alone, fear of sicknesses. There's phobias. What is, what is it? It's a lot of fears. It's a lot of them. So if the enemy can get any of that, he can say, come on in, boys. I don't open the door for you. So everything else come behind that. So this is why God told Cain, sin lies at the door and waits for you. But you can master it. Don't let it master you. But Cain chose to be stuck. I don't want to be stuck. I don't know about you. I don't want to be stuck. How do you know what's coming at you? The mean thought that keeps coming at you on a daily basis, that's that stronghold. Some thoughts you don't need to pay attention to, but it can be one or two mean thoughts that's in your mind that just keep coming at you, coming at you. That's what you take captive. So God is saying, I don't want you stuck. 
I don't want you. It's time for you to come out. That's what God is saying today. It's time for you to come out. You've been in this place long enough. It's time for you to come out. Quit looking at other people and comparing yourself to other people. Quit looking at, I'm not going to make it. It's too late. It's not too late. How do I know? Because God is bringing you the message today to say, come out. It's not too late. No matter what you going through, whether it's addiction, it don't matter. God said, it's not too late. He said, I'm coming to bring you out it's not too late whatever God has for you it's not too oh thank you Lord Abraham and Sarah Abraham was a hundred years old Sarah was what 99 or 90 whatever when God promised them a child God waited until they got way up in age to let people know this what man's doing This is my doing. So what am I saying to you? It don't matter how old you get. If it's for you to have a child or have whatever you need, God already have a plan. You need to get in alignment with his plan. Maybe God is keeping you separate for a reason. God has a reason for all things. And y'all, this is what I learned. I used to be one of those people that used to say, God, my sister didn't stay here. She left. My brother, he left. Everybody going on with their lives. Why am I stuck here in Burger? Yeah, I used to complain. Used to see friends doing different things. And I'd turn around and say, you can't make too big of a circle around here. You see the same thing. You can close your eyes and know where you're at. Back in the same place. How could you miss it, God? I was stuck. And I didn't realize that I was stuck. But God showed me something, even in this. God said, I put you here for a reason. Now, you got to line up with my plan and my purpose I have for your life. It's not about you. Quit looking at what everybody else is doing. And I want you to do what I called you to do. So God would send me people to encourage me in such a downtime. At the age of 16, I worked at the program that was up there at the, um, I can't remember where it was. It was a Sinkland program. And I remember the two girls that I was working with, they were jealous of me. And I didn't know nothing about jealousy then, but they would um, say things like, oh, um, they're not going to hire you. You know, we've been working and we have all this. So I would go home feeling down and out saying, okay, I don't have what they have. I can't do what they do. But God made a way, even in the midst of them mocking me, even in the midst of them putting me down, God made a way for me. And then they had to come look up to me. And I remember a day when I was waiting on my check from that program, this woman called me into the bathroom. I didn't know the woman from Adam's. She looked at me. She said, you're the one that's been in my dreams. She said, the Lord told me to tell you, you're going to be mighty for him. You're going to be mighty. You ain't seen nothing yet. And I'm so scared and terrified of this woman. I said, this woman going crazy. So I'm in there crying, but she's in there telling me what the Lord is telling her to tell me. And I have not forgotten that to this day. And I said, okay, God, I hear what you're saying. You want me to do this. You want me to do that. But when I went into depression... And it was a place that I was stuck in and I felt like I couldn't come out of. And the reason why that depression was there, because rejection was there. 
I felt rejected. I felt like nobody wanted to be with me or hang with me. I felt like I didn't have the things that I needed. I felt like I was stuck in Burgos. Didn't know all of these things was building up a fortress. It was building up a wall in my mind to keep me in a place so I couldn't come out and be whom God want me to be and do what God wanted me to do. But one day, y'all, when God starts sending people to encourage me, to uplift me, to bring me out of this place, I remember the spirit of the Lord say, the people that are coming to you, you're going to have to help them. I'm like, God, who am I? I was like Moses. Who am I to help them? I'm going to put you in a place that they're going to see me through you. And God did it. But I had to come out of that place. I have a, I had a choice. Do I want to stay in this place or do I want to move forward in the things of God? So I'm asking you today, if you want to stay stuck, you stay stuck. God is telling you, you don't have to be in that place. Whatever you're going through, God said, I have come in this place today to tell you to come out. You don't have to stay in the state of depression. Come on, the reason why we get depressed is due to our way of thinking. We're thinking stuff that's not the will of God. That's why we got to know what the word is saying. Then God began to show me in 2 Kings 7, 4 through 8. 2 Kings 7, 4 through 8. This is dealing with the lepers. Elijah had predicted that there was going to be a famine. And it says in verse 4, this is what the lepers were saying. If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit, sit still here, we die also. So they had a choice. They said, if we go in the city, we're going to die. If we sit here, we're still going to die. So then they said, so now come, let us go over to the armies of the Syrians. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Syrians. If they spare us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall die. They still had a choice. They said, either way, we're going to die. So I'm just going to go ahead in this city. So guess what they did? They went into the place where the, the enemy was camped. And guess what? They had a lot. They had more than enough. What am I saying? God gives us a choice today. He's saying today, do you want to stay in that place you are and die? Or do you want to come out and live? See, the enemy have us feeling that that's the place we have to be in. That's what we have to accept is death. He is about death and not about life. He wants you to stay in that death realm. God said, Jesus have come to give you life, Zoe, and more abundantly. Yes, things have happened in your life. Like it's not happened in everybody else's life. You can look at people. Come on, the Israelites. They looked like everything was okay with them until they had no water. They looked like everything was okay with them until they didn't have no food. Come on, they were traveling along and they were okay as long as things was dropped before them. But God said, I had you to go without some things to see where your heart was. See, God tests us sometimes to see if we're still going to be faithful to him, even being in a place we don't want to be in, to see if we're still going to call on him. To see if we're still going to give him glory in spite of what's going on. To see if we're still going to praise our way through. Lord, I thank you. I don't thank you for this sickness, but I thank you that I'm already healed. 
In all things, give God thanks for this is his will concerning you. It didn't say for, all, for sickness. It didn't say for death. We have to remind ourselves of who we are in him. And let me tell you something. Don't let nobody keep you stuck. I love my husband. He loved me. But he ain't keeping me stuck. And I know I ain't keeping him stuck. I got to go on and he got to go on. Somebody got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You don't stay stuck because your spouse is stuck. You don't go hide up under a rock because they up under a rock. Come on, you rise up and you show them who you are now that you're in Christ. Just because they acting a fool don't mean you got to act a fool. That's stuck on stupid. We don't do what other people do just to be like them. We, and, and see, in school sometimes, this is why we got to let our children know the difference. I went to, um, I can't remember, well, I do know the store I went to. I went to this store and I was behind this young lady at the register. And I said, Dad, well, even with the mask on, her face tore up. I said, what in the world? You know? So I got behind her. So when I got up to the register to pay for my stuff, the lady said, I tell you the truth. You speak to people, they, her face, she said, she made the face too. She said, they act like they don't want to speak to you. I said, well, you know, sometimes people have, you know, they don't have such a good day. And it's just not them. It's just what they went through doing that. She said, but that's about everybody to come in here. And I said, look at this, y'all. Look at this. But this is what happens. I'm going to give you this for your children. When children go to school and they see somebody with an ugly face, when children are real little and they're not raised the right way, they're thinking their face is supposed to look like that. How do I know? I'm going to give you an example. I use this with me and my granddaughter, Jada. Maybe she'll do it today. Jada, come up here, sweetie. It's something I would do all the time. And I would do it with her. Come here, Jada. Oh, you're going to come up here. Can you come right there, baby? Turn around and face me, Ma. Turn around and face me, Ma. What am I doing? Show them. That means... I'm watching you. So I would do that to her when we're in play. And I squinch up my eyes. So when Jada would come to the house, she would play with me and say, watch. So she used that face. <laughs> we have to watch what faces we give our children. Because when they go out, oh, Lord. My husband say, you, you do that. You talk. <laughs> Lord have mercy, Jesus. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So they're thinking that's their face. So when my baby go out and they, my baby ain't no bully. But somebody would think she would be. Right? So we got to watch what we do with our children. And there's something else that I would always say. Can, let me tell you something. She'll say. Can I tell you something? When they are little, they catch everything. So we got to watch what come out of our mouth. 
and how our faces look in front of our little ones because they grow up and they mimic what you do. They mimic TikTok. And then you wondering why they cuss so much, curse so much. Because we leave them by themselves. They know how to work electronics better than we do. This baby be on my phone. Somebody texting me. Who was that, Jada? I don't know. Thank you, sweetie. But that's what we do. We mimic. They mimic us. So what am I telling you? We can get them stuck. Doing things. And sometimes we laugh at them. Because we think it's funny. But when they go to school, teachers don't think it's funny. Then they show us what they do. If they ever... I'm admitting. Yes, ma'am. That's something we do together. I am so sorry. We got to break it. We got to break it in the name of Jesus. Because they pick up every little thing. So we have to be so careful. We don't want nobody to get stuck watching us. Some people want to look up to you. So they do what you do. They talk like you talk. Have anyone ever been to New York? If you go to New York, you come back trying to speak like you're from New York. After a while, it wears off. Because you want to be like they are because you've been there. Because it's different. But when that wear off, you go back to the same talk, the same walk. That you have always been. Not lest you keep doing it day by day. And it becomes so much a part of you. It becomes your second nature. So God is saying today. I don't want you stuck in these places. I want you to come out. So the question today is how do I come out? First of all, 2 Corinthians. Let's go there. 2 Corinthians. Y'all know where I'm going, right? 10, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. You know, the word will take us where we need to be, right? And why is it sometimes we don't want to pay attention to what gives us life? Because we're trying to mimic everybody else. We're trying to do what they're doing. It says, we fight, we fight with weapons that are different from those the world uses. They're merely not human weapons of the flesh. Our weapons have power from God that can destroy the enemy's strong places, stronghold fortresses. We destroy people's arguments, reasonings, and every proud thing that exalts itself, high opinion that rises itself against the knowledge of God. We capture every thought and make it obey Christ. Sometimes we can be so much into Things that are not of God, even when the word of God is coming, it just floats by. But don't give up. Because the word is quick, is powerful, is sharper than any double-edged sword. Piercing, dividing, the joints from the marrow, the soul from the spirit. It is a discerner of thoughts. It knows the intents of your heart. Don't give up on the word because the word is working. The word got to be planted in your heart so it can uproot everything that's going on in you and around you. 
So we want to make sure we get that seed, which is the word of God planted. We don't want to keep uprooting it because we don't feel like it's working. It is not about your feeling. It's about knowing what the word does. Forever the word is settled in heaven. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your word ain't coming back void, but it's going out to accomplish that which you please and prosper in the thing that you have sent it to do. You hasten in your word to perform it in my life. God, your word is above your name. God, this is what you said. And God, you're God and not man that you should lie. Neither the son of man that you shall repent. Have you not said it? Shall you not do it? Have you not spoken it? Shall you not make it good? God, you are God. See, God has put you in a place, y'all. He has put you in this ministry. So you will know how to root up. To tear down strongholds. It's strongholds that are keeping us bound. That's keeping us in bondage. That's keeping us stuck. And until you deal with those strongholds, you're going to remain stuck. The enemy wants you to feel as if you okay. It's all right. You having your high and low days. It's not all right. You need to know what's keeping you in that place. How do you know that you're still in that place? Because it's a pattern. When things are going well, it don't pop his head, right? Well, no, when things are going well, it pop his head. The enemy want to slow you down. He want to keep you from being who you are now that you're in Christ. Because the more we be who we are now that we're in Christ, things around us begin to change. So God is saying, people of God, I don't want you stuck. I don't want you to be in that place no more. I want you to trust in me with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge me in all your ways, and I shall direct your paths. Come out of that. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. One more. One more. This is the last one. He, he told me this. Y'all remember David and Jonathan, right? And how they made a covenant. They made a blood covenant. Whatever belonged to David belonged to Jonathan. Whatever belonged to Jonathan belonged to David. Even after Jonathan died, it still would go through the generation. That's that covenant. Just like we have a covenant. And because of Jesus Christ, it's not based on us. No matter what we do, how we do it, or when we do it, God is not going to change on us because of what Jesus done on our behalf. Amen? So David asked, David asks, is anyone still left in Saul's family house? I want to show kindness, loyalty to that person for Jonathan's sake. This is in 2 Samuel chapter 9. So he was looking for somebody, and there was somebody that was left. It was Jonathan's son. So David was um, telling them to bring the son um, to him because he wanted to show kindness unto that son. He wanted to restore that son. When that son found out that David um, was bringing him there, he bowed before David and he called his own self a dog. He said, I am a dog. Why did he say this? Because he was in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar is a land of nothing. No communication, nothing. So he stayed in this place so long, he considered himself as nothing. He considered himself as low as a dog. Some of us are in Lodabar. God said, I want you to come out of Lodabar. I already brought you out through my son, Jesus Christ. I have already given you a place in me through him. 
And I want you to come to that place that I have given to you through Jesus Christ. He said, I have chosen you. I have accepted you. I have adopted you. I have forgiven you. He said, you are mine. You are my sons. You are my daughters. He said, come out of Lodabar. You are staying in a place you do not have to be in. Lodabar is depression. Lodabar is a a place where there is nothing, no communication. When you're in depression, you just set yourself off. You don't want no communication. You don't want nobody saying anything to you. You just want to sleep and it'll all be over. When you wake up, you still facing Lodabar. God said, wake up and know what I have brought you out of and come to this place of life and life more abundantly. God has done everything that he can do, but it's time for you to come out of that place. And I'm going to say, those that are holding on to people that are in Lodabar, it's going to bring you to that place as well. Because you want that pe- person out. And then you start getting down and out. Then you start crying out to God. Come on, been that done it. Sometimes the enemy tried to take me to Lodabar. How did he try to take me to Lodabar? Because when you're a pastor and you're teaching people the truth, the word of God, and you still see them in a place they don't need to be in, it puts you in a place of saying, am I doing what you want me to do, what you call me to do? And then you will get down in the dumps. But then thank God for the Holy Spirit. He raises me back up and say, that's not your place. That's not the place that I have put you. I have brought you out of that place. Rise up, arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. God is saying, rise up. Come out of Lodabar. Come out of a place with no communication, with no word. A lonely place. That's a place of depression. He said, come out. So I thank God for this message today. And I know it was God that brought this message because it's a lot of us in a place. We try to fake it to make it. We try to make like we okay when we're not deeply okay. And we try to look for things to make us okay. Can I share this with y'all? Your husband can't make you okay. Your wife cannot make you okay. Your children cannot make you okay. Your animals cannot make you okay. Substances, things that you buy, eat, drink cannot make you okay. Because at the end of the day, they're bringing death to you. Come on, drink too many sun drops and Mountain Dews. It's like crack. Your body can't do without it. So God is saying, come out of these places. These are places you do not have to be in. Quit comparing your lives with everybody else's life. God has given you your life. Because David said, no matter where I go, God is there. If I go into hell, he's there. Everywhere I go, he's there. He know when I lay down. He know when I get up. God know everything about me. He know what I'm thinking even before I think it. He's an all-knowing God. And when we know God already know, only thing we can do is lift our hands and say, God, you already know. So I give you glory, God. There's no point of me worrying about something that you already know about. God, that that you want me to know, you're going to let me know. But God, my focus has to be on you. So God said, come out. You don't have to be stuck no more. It's okay to come out. The door has been open. He said, come out. 
Quit living in a cave. Quit living in a cage. Come out and live this abundant life that I have given you. And let the world know just because the world is changing, God has not changed. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. My God changed not. Quit looking at what everybody else is doing and think you're supposed to do it. Do what God would have you to do. And the only way you know it is by spending time with God and say, God, what do you want me to do? You can't be everywhere that everybody is. Because the enemy may not be after them like he's after you. You can't do what everybody's doing because the enemy may not want to kill them like he want to kill you. Because he already got them stuck. So don't do everything everybody else is doing. Just because they're doing this don't mean you got to do that. Don't let the enemy set you up for a short life. Because he will do it. God is proud of you. God loves you. He's pleased with you because of Jesus. Not because of you. That's why in him we live, move, and have our being. Come out. Amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. And we come out through the word, renewing our mind according to the word of God. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor um, Michael Scott to come up here. and Wasn't that an inspiring message? Thanks for listening to the end. Join us every Tuesday for Bible study and every Sunday for service. We're looking forward to hearing from you as well. Feel free to reach out to us via the website at www.mtdm.org. God bless you and we'll see you next time.